Hi, and welcome to the Voice of Healthcare podcast. I am your host, Matt Sobolski. I'm the founder of a company called Ionia Healthcare Consulting and Behavioral Scientist who's devoted his career to digital health and financial tech. I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Reed McClellan. Reed, say hello. Hi, Matt. It's great to be with you today. I'm Reed McClellan, the CEO and founder of Cortina Health, a healthcare technology company. Wonderful. Glad to be with you again, Reed. We have special guests today, but stay tuned for a quick message from our sponsor. We've all seen the studies on burnout and the role EMRs play. What are the real causes? What can we do about it? Don't suffer burnout by a thousand clicks. Read Suki's paper on the causes and solutions to physician burnout. Go to get.suki.ai. That's get.suki.ai to download. And now, to our show. Uh, we're going to take a little bit of a avenue that we haven't quite before, and we're going to talk to some gentlemen who are working with pharmacogenetics to improve patient care, and I want them to introduce themselves as well as their firm. I'll start with Uli. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Ulrich Brackel, and I'm the founder and CEO of uh, RPRD Diagnostics. Uh, we are a pharmacogenetic testing, uh, pharmacogenetic implementation, and precision medicine company. Wonderful, Uli. We're glad to have you on the show. And Dr. Kim. Hi, everyone. My name is Dr. Hyun Kim. I am a clinical pharmacist with the Clinical Pharmacogenetics Service at Boston Children's Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts, and I'm happy to be here talking about pharmacogenomics. Wonderful. I'm going to start with Dr. Brickell. So why don't we start with this question? I want Uli to start first, Dr. Brickell, and then uh, Dr. Kim, if you could follow up after that. And it's a really simple question to kick us off for the audience to get us oriented, which is the following. What is pharmacogenetics and how does it improve patient care, in fact? Go ahead, tell us. So pharmacogenetic uh, genetics really looks at uh, combining drug treatment and genetics. So um, if, if you think about you know, all the medications, a lot of different medications, um, you know, we, we normally would think that every patient responds in the same way. But um, you know, if you took some medication or if you know someone, um, it, then it's often the case that, you know, the, the same medication doesn't work for every patient in the same way. And that can be that either a medication doesn't work uh, as well and uh, you don't really see the full benefit or you potentially have a higher risk for a certain side effect or what we call toxicity. So this variation um, is determined by a lot of different factors, but one of the uh, contributors to the variation drug response, obviously, uh, is the genetic makeup of a patient. And so um, over, over many years now, there's the, 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 the body of evidence is growing that you can use genetic testing and genetic information to really tailor uh, more precisely uh, either you know, what drug you could use or should use or what dose you should use. Um, to treat uh, patients with uh, certain diseases. So we are really committed to um, advancing technology for, for pharmacogenetic testing and bring this to patients and bring this to uh, all the, the stakeholders um, in this. And so um, those are patients, those are physicians, their healthcare providers, and then obviously also really pharmacists. I mean, they're on the forefront of managing medication and so we're very committed also to, uh, to work with pharmacists in uh, delivering pharmacogenetic um, information and uh, bringing pharmacogenetics to healthcare. 
Um, I think from my perspective, um, pharmacogenetics is a new way, I think, of empowering patients um, and providers involved in patient care to explore new aspects about themselves um, to try to improve the decisions um, for treating the medical conditions that a patient has. And I think um, there are so many things that go into drug response, things like kidney function and weight and smoking status. You know, some of these things are a bit more easy to measure and observe um, and talk about. Um, but there's one thing that's underlying all of that, and that's genetics. And that's a little harder to explore. And I think pharmacogenetics and pharmacogenomics as a field um, helps to explore that space and uh, offer that information to the stakeholders so they can make the best decisions. So that's what I think. Wonderful. So that's comprehensive. I hope the audience is now oriented a little bit. So I'm going to hit it back to Dr. Brickell here. And I think that between you and Dr. Kim, this is a really important pivot to the conversation today, which is PGX as a pharmacogenetics steward and then applications in the clinical areas. So if you could sort of take it a little farther beyond the conception of pharmacogenetics to the clinical practice in the future, where are we? What is PGX doing? And maybe a little background on PGX. Yeah, so um, if you think about, um, you know, all the drugs currently on the market, um, and there is a significant portion of the drugs where we know that uh, genes, certain genes and genetic factors actually um, you know, are in, involved in the um, in the way how a drug works, the side effects, and um, and how a patient responds. And so um, th that knowledge has been really growing over over many years now. And um, I think right now we're in a phase where this becomes more and more uh, mainstream. You know, a lot of specialties are really recognizing. The, um, the importance of that. Um, they, they recognize the importance of like not just doing guesswork or waiting for a side effect or waiting if a drug really works, but um, you know, really including this information uh, together with a lot of other information, as, as you heard you know, from Dr. Kim, um, you know, all the other information and, and, and clinical information which contributes to um, and making a decision what drug you use. So um, I think we're in, we're in a very exciting phase where um, a lot of different specialties are, are recognizing this, uh, recognizing the value and really uh, starting to, to implement um, this, um, this information. Um, so we, you know, there are a lot of different components critical um, or will be important in, uh, you know, if you want to decide how you, how you want to implement and test pharmacogenetics. Some part it plays a role, uh, what uh, disease and what drug you're looking at. Um, and just to pick, pick a few examples, I mean, for example, in cardiology, certain drug, uh, drug you receive after you have a stent, for example, after a heart attack, uh, an anticoagulant, um, that um, there's very strong evidence now that a gene really plays a role in if this drug actually works or not, and that affects the the uh, you know outcome whether you have an increased risk of having another heart attack, for example, after a stent. So uh, that's cardiology. A lot of information is known for pharmacogenetics related to drugs uh, used in cancer treatment, for example. Um, but it also plays a role in uh, uh, GI disease. Um, there's a lot of interest in uh, behavioral health, antidepressants um, 
and uh, potentially uh, picking uh, the right antidepressant or a antidepressant or group of drugs which has a higher likelihood of working. Um, epilepsy is another area. So um, the, the spectrum uh, of pharmacogenetics is actually uh, quite uh, broad. And uh, that also, um, again, you know, emphasizes the need to, to speak to very different, you know, group of stakeholders in, in the space. Um, and again, link pharmacists who um, are responsible and, and really contribute with their knowledge to all these different areas of drug treatment to, to link them um, into, uh, into the practice of pharmacogenetics. So I, I was just kind of thinking about the, the scope of the medications involved. And if, from a pharmacy standpoint, if you look at some of the commonly, you know, most commonly prescribed medications, at least in the United States, um, a lot of those we have well-defined pharmacogenomic information that can be related uh, back to the patient and the provider to, to determine whether or not the drug or dose is appropriate. And, um, I'm willing to bet that you know, upwards of 80, 90% of individuals at some point in their lifetime will encounter at least one of these medications that we have pharmacogenomic guidelines for, um, which means that the potential reach of this information and services um, that implement pharmacogenomics, uh, it could potentially impact a lot of people. Um, we're not there yet. This field is still growing from uh, a, very small uh, localized sites and hasn't yet caught on, I think, uh, but I think we're quickly approaching that critical mass where we do have interest and innovation um, to, to push this out to more and more uh, patients. Well, we always like to be on the uh, cutting edge of technology and new innovation. So we're really glad to have you guys here today. So let's talk a little bit more about RPRDX. Uh, I'm a, I, I'm a patient. How do I engage with you guys, and uh, or do I at all? And does insurance cover this, or is this all completely out of pocket? Can you walk our listeners through the process? That's a great question. Happy to 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 walk you through. So we are a clinical testing lab, and um, so as it's you know common and required, um, we. Um, as a clinical lab, we'll need a order from a physician, from a treating, uh, from a licensed physician to order the test for a patient. So um, one way to get in contact with us is obviously, you know, contact us and um, we'll, we'll um, you know, work with uh, your physician or we work with a physician um, to, to order the test. Um, and that physician then also will be uh, the, the person who receives the, uh, the pharmacogenetic test results and uh, then, you know, makes the decision on how to, how to utilize this information. So um, that, that's the easiest, easiest way. Um, and um, then obviously we need a, uh, a, a sample that can be a blood sample, that could be a saliva or buccal sample for DNA. And that will be sent to our lab. Uh, we received this. We process the sample in our clinical lab and um, we'll generate a report. A lot goes into this. Our test is um, very comprehensive. Uh, that's, um, so we're not just testing one gene or a few gene or a particular gene you know, relevant just to one particular drug. Um, technology, and this is, I think, where over the last few years, where um, laboratory and DNA technology really advanced in 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 a way that now you can an actually analyze all pharmacogenetically relevant genes all at once in one test, and uh, you're basically then, uh, you know, covered. Um, 
and you can you know use this information for this particular drug you're using right now or where you have a question um, but you can use it then for any other you know applications down the road or decisions um, because obviously dna and the results don't change so that's a result which um, stays uh, with a patient um, you know forever and you, you can you know maintain this information then and you know not just the physician you're working with right now or who's treating you but any other physician uh, you know, should be able to utilize this information as well. Uh, comes also with the advantage that you don't have to wait for a result again, or you don't have to do another blood draw. So you basically do this once and you have all this information and um, and the results available. So uh, that, that's the very straightforward way. Um, there, there are a lot of technical, um, you know, really exciting things um, happening right now um, in pharmacogenetics, um, not only on the testing side that we can be very comprehensive. Um, there's a lot of development in the area of health IT. Um, so a lot of effort in terms of like, as I said, you know, the results are, are relevant, uh, you know, for forever. Um, so integrating these results into the medical record in the electronic medical record, I think it's a very exciting area we're working with and, and um, you know, helping organizations. Um, another interesting area is, is um, you know, the decision support. So once, for example, a, a uh, result is in the medical record, um, then, you know, can we help pharmacists and physicians uh, when they order a drug that they don't necessarily need to really, you know, look up their exact results, but for example, they get an automatic uh, you know, message if, for example, a result uh, from a pharmacogenetic test and they want to order a particular drug would recommend that, you know, you maybe want to pick a different drug or adjust the dose. So there is a lot of, you know, happening in, in this area. Talking yeah. about um, reimbursement, if I want to uh, touch on this real quick, um, there is reimbursement. Um, the the uh, reimbursement area is, 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 as in many cases, uh, still uh, developing. Um, there are a number of insurance companies, for our insurance companies, large insurance companies, for example, who uh, cover pharmacogenetic testing for patients, um, for example, with depression. And when uh, a patient, for example, failed a certain treatment, um, so they're offering that. I think um, there are other for chemotherapy drugs. There is um, there you know are um, pharmacogenetics is recommended or required, and insurance companies you know pay pay for that as well. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's developing. I think um, as the field matures, I think, um, you know, more and more um, this will open up and uh, will be recognized more, will be covered more. Uh, and another really interesting, I think, uh, uh, point is that, you know, health insurance and, and the payments right now in, in many cases is, is really um, focused on volume. Right, where you just get paid for a service, um, and and I think we will over the next few years see a shift from from the uh, volume based uh, payments to really outcome based and value. And um, as we start to recognize that, um, you know, including pharmacogenetic testing will provide a a better service and an increase um, the uh, the overall satisfaction of patients, um, increase the safety. Um, in, in the way how we treat patients, um, I, I see we 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 personally I, I personally see a lot of potential here that insurance companies and payers and also healthcare organizations actually really recognize the value of pharmacogenetic testing. So let me take another pivot here because we're going to be heading into time and we're getting some great content from uh, both of you in response to 
what's happening here with pharmacogenetics and your role in it. So let's talk about PGX in the future, open-ended. Where is this headed, the science of it, the clinical practice of it? What are your hopes for it? Integrations in the data, even AI, for example. Where PGX currently is, uh, we know the most in, in, in PGX about how um, particular drugs are metabolized in terms of having the total exposure of the body to a given drug being proportional to the to the side effect risk as well as the uh, efficacy of the drug, how quickly or slowly we metabolize the drugs is uh, defined in part by our genetics. And that's where a lot of the guidelines reside. I think in the future, um, in the very near future, is even as soon as this year, we're going to be starting to explore the uh, side of the coin where it's the drugs working on the specific targets in the brain or in the body. Um, if you're thinking about antidepressants, for example, we know very well how a lot of the antidepressants are metabolized, yet we don't know exactly maybe how they may be working in the various neurotransmitter and neurotransmitter receptor pathways in the brain um, to exert their clinical effect. Um, and the pharmacogenetics behind the variable uh, uh, pharmacodynamics uh, present in a given patient. And I think once we start to identify those variants that help define those variable responses and look at the targets of the drugs, we can develop much more uh, complete uh, pictures of how people respond to medications. And so pharmacodynamics is going to be catching up, I think, to the field of pharmacokinetics, which is where we currently are, it's the movement of drugs. Um, that's where I see I, uh, a lot of movement and traction uh, occurring. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree. I, I think um, the, the future is that, you know, um, pharmacogenetics, in, in, you know, in, in many cases, I mean, it, it, it knowledge has been around for a really long time. And we've, we've really, in, in some ways, struggled to implement it for, for a number of reasons, right? Um, but as we really recognize the, the value of pharmacogenetics and how it can in, improve patient care, um, I, I think we will see over the next few years um, really large, much larger scale um, integration of the of, of pharmacogenetic testing. Um, I think that's going to come. I, I think the, the value of technology and, and providing physicians and pharmacists with uh, decision tools and AI to, to improve the way how we um, how we pick a drug and how we dose a drug, I think um, is, is clearly coming. I mean, I'm, you know, uh, 10, even five or 10 years ago, I mean, nobody would have thought that, you know, how much support and, you know, an EMR can, can provide. Um, so I, I think that area is expanding really rapidly and healthcare providers are recognizing the value of this, right? So I, I think that's really coming. Um, I think on the testing side, I think we're going to continue to improve um, the way how we analyze uh, samples. Um, I, I want to pick one area which is also really important to us is that, you know, I said, you know, we're analyzing all the genes. We're very comprehensively. 
Um, but it's also important to not only, you know, to focus on the number of genes, but also on the, the actual variants. And so one of the, the, um, the, the, the really important points is that, um, you know, if you, if you think about genetic testing, you really need to recognize um, that the, the genetic diversity. So we're not um, only testing Caucasian patients, we are testing African-American patients, we're testing Asian patients, we're testing Hispanic patients. And um, there are differences between the different groups, what variants you need to test. And so looking at really providing very comprehensive testing, inclusive testing for, for all different uh, races and ethnicities, I think is, is something we recognize uh, more and more. Uh, we're definitely working on this. We're, we're really um, pushing forward on that, learning more about um, how we include that um, information. And so I think that's an area um, we need to continue to grow the knowledge um, in, in these areas as well. And so I think that's really an area where I think uh, over the next few years, we're going to learn a lot and uh, continue to improve. So you guys have both actually mentioned depression uh, as one potential pathology that this would be uh, a great technology to be used for in the future. If uh, a patient comes with uh, an order for depression and they go through the pharmacogenetics, but later in life they have a completely different uh, disease that needs to be taken care of, will the same pharmacogenetic information assist with that? Or will they have to go back for, let's say they have hypertension? Would that be a completely different panel of pharmacogenetics to test then? I think it'll be the... Right now, it's going to be the same. In terms of uh, what I was referring to earlier, in terms of the genes involved in the drug metabolism and the kinetics of the drugs, that those pathways and those enzymes and proteins involved in those biological processes are can affect many different types of medications. So while they could be relevant for a, an antidepressant now, they may be important for cholesterol management uh, later in life. Um, once the pharmacogenomics field has developed uh, guidelines and has explored the field of pharmacodynamics further, those are going to be more specific for the drugs. So antidepressants, um, maybe you have SSRIs that focus on serotonin receptors. So if you're looking at the pharmacodynamics of various serotonin receptor subsets, then that's not going to necessarily be as important uh, will probably not be as important for hypertension uh, management later in life because those guidelines may not uh, apply because those are uh, completely different therapeutic uh, medications, even though those types of medications might be metabolized or transported by the same enzymes and proteins. Um, and so the information you get on a comprehensive panel, uh, like the one offered through RPRD, you can kind of collect the evidence once or collect the, uh, the results once, but then analyze it in different contexts through different lenses at different points in the patient's life to apply that information. And obviously the the evidence surrounding the drugs and, and the genes will grow and change, but the results themselves, that, that fundamental aspect of genomics and genetics, where the genetic makeup is constant, that can actually serve as an advantage um, as a, and a good platform to help patients at different points in their lives. So we are headed towards time, and I always want guests to have a last word, something that Reed and I think is really important. And let me frame this for both of you. If people listening were only going to hear the next sentence or three or four that you share, what would you share with them about this topic and your role in it? 
We'll start with Dr. Bracow. I think one point would, um, which is really important to, to recognize is that, you know, over, over a lifetime, I think pretty much everyone will experience a disease where you need to be treated with a drug, right? I mean, drugs are incredible uh, ways how to, how to treat a, a disease. The, not every drug works for every patient. We will experience that, you know, at some point in time, you know, a drug might not work and you might have to try different drugs. And I think besides knowing, you know, really standard factors, you know, which affect the efficacy, like your liver function, kidney function, genetics really plays for many drugs plays a role. And I think including this information, I think will be a really critical step in tailoring uh, the best treatment and finding the best drugs. And I think for, for in, in the future and for the years to come, this area will, you know, really substantially grow with the knowledge of what we have right now, plus all the additional knowledge, um, what we over the next few years, what science will tell us. And so it's a very exciting area. Um, we, we are very excited that we can help patients now contribute to the science um, and generate uh, knowledge so that, um, you know, the, the body of evidence for pharmacogenetics is going to continue to grow. And, and we're very excited to be able to uh, to advance the field uh, with our work uh, today and in the future. And Dr. Kim, the same question to you. Um, so I think uh, my takeaway would be would be a message that I tell a lot of prospective patients that we get um, is to really think about the appropriateness of medications. You know, medications are designed to serve a purpose, but they were also studied in the context of serving the greatest number of people in a pop, uh, population studies. That's how clinical trials um, work. And that maybe what worked best overall may not be the best option for you. And I think it's important to ask these tough questions of your healthcare provider to say, hey, is this really appropriate for me? Is this treatment plan in my best interest, not based on some treatment algorithm or dosing guideline? Um, am I just like any other patient with the same diagnosis? And, in many cases, that you know, the answer might be yes, but in other cases, it might be that no, you have individual factors that are unique to you that might affect how you respond to medications. And that might start a conversation on what else can we explore about me? You know, we measured my weight, we measured my liver function and my kidney function, but what else can we look at? And maybe genetics becomes a part of that picture. And I would argue that genetics would affect so many things about. Uh, drug response and uh, how we manifest diseases and uh, medical conditions. And so it only makes sense to kind of explore that space, not to assume that you're going to be uh, thinking that, oh, it worked for my friend or my neighbor or my family member, and it should work for me. And I think healthcare providers should also think that, that patient A with diagnosis X is not going to be the same as patient B with diagnosis X. Um, and I think shifting away from that one-size-fits-all model is, I think, going to be uh, very important. So, gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Dr. Kim, Dr. Brakel, thanks for joining the Voice of Healthcare podcast today. Great. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. This has been the Voice of Healthcare podcast. See you next time. <laughs>